Welcome to the Owlish Folk, a podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is my cyberchondriac co-host, Dave. <laughs> cyberchondriac. Cyberchondriac. Someone who thinks their computer always has a problem. <laughs> I like that. But no. No? Okay. A person who compulsively searches the internet for information about particular, real, or imagined symptoms of illness. I really like that word. I think that's something that's really prevalent nowadays. People have a pain in their back, they get nervous, they start searching online, and WebMD tells them they have, you know, something... spinal blastoma. <laughs> I don't even know, and they think they're going to die awful. in like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never Google your symptoms. Yeah. But you know that comes from the 1990s, all the way back then. It's not even a current thing. Cyberchondriac? Yeah. Is that when that word was coined? Yeah. All right. So people must have been doing that for decades. What's the question of the day? Today's question is a computer-related question. The question is, is the plural of mouse, mouses or mice? Not talking about the animal, but a computer mouse. Hmm. Should you say mouses? Should you say mice? I think without even trying to analyze that, I would say mice. Why? Because the animal is pluralized that way, and you can have many mice on your computer. Mouses just sounds weird to me. Mouses does feel strange because we don't use it in any other way. So I looked into this a bit and I found there was um, some research done by some grammarians and they assumed that uh, tech people and computer users would generally use the word mouses to differentiate no. computer mouse from the animal mouse. So when they studied this online, they found 200,000 uses of the word mouses, computer mouses, and they found over 10 million uses of computer mice. Ka-chang! Yes, so... Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, so I guess because no one's going to confuse a computer mouse with an animal mouse, <laughs> you don't course. talk about them in the same context. My mouse just screwed off my keyboard. <laughs> yeah, and since a mouse, a computer mouse, is named after the animal right. mouse for its appearance... Yes. Yeah, uh, it makes sense to use the same plural. You know what's really funny about the origin of the word mouse... Um, so Doug Engelbart conceived the mouse during a conference lecture in 1961 and there was an original name that he called that invention but no one could ever remember it so he said well it looks like a mouse with a tail I'll just call it a mouse oh. but it had another name so it's just an off the cuff thing yeah. he thought of and it stuck I love how that works that was the same thing with Bluetooth right yeah. so Harold Bluetooth was a oh. Danish king who united, through war, united the kingdoms in the area. And so the guy who invented Bluetooth had this technology. He didn't have a name for it. And I think there were some other names uh, kicked around. I forget the name of the inventor of Bluetooth. Um, and this wasn't going to be in our episode today. Weirdly, because it fits. Mm. But since he'd been reading about Harold Bluetooth of Denmark... He thought, oh, yeah, this technology sort of unites different devices mm. in the same way this king united the various other kingdoms. So he called it Bluetooth. And now it feels, because it's blue, we imagine blue lights, kind of a, right. a high-tech feel. And that's what we, yeah. we refer to it as. 
Something else weird about the mouse. The wire tail originally came out under the user's wrist. So you would hold it backwards from the way that we hold it now. That's weird. Because the the ball, mm. the, the roller ball was at the end of the mouse. So it was actually turned around. Yes, because the uh, the original mouse, wasn't it called a trackball? Yes. You had to use the ball, yes. and then they put the ball under the yes, mouse. Yes, that's right. I remember, though, that you the mouse used to stop working when the ball that was inside <laughs> kind of got dusty. Oh, and then you'd have to ta take it out and clean it. And now it's all done with just magic, right? Nobody wants to take out your ball and clean it. <laughs> Today in our episode, we will talk about many other interesting words that have to do with technology that we use every day that we don't really think about where the origin comes from. So do you have one? Should we start with software? That sounds good. Hardware. So yeah, when we Wetware. Talk, <laughs> when we talk about computers, though, we often have to use terms like software and, and hardware. And wetware. And wetware. Hardware, software, wetware. Brownware. <laughs> Gross. It is, right? <laughs> Download some brownware. All right. In summary, hmm. software is the programming used to tell the hardware what to do. The hardware is the, um, the physical items yes. uh, that make up your computer technology, right? Mm -hmm. So the mouse is hardware, the monitor, the keyboard, the processor. All these things are hardware, and the software is the, the programming that tells them right. what to do. Wetware is the same kind of principle, but applied to biology. Yeah, the so brain. Brain is wetware, mm -hmm. right? And when you poke the brain, it goes. It's wet because it's wet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Brownware is shit. <laughs> Question of the day: What is brownware? Yeah. I tried to download brownware. <laughs> uh, anyway, the terms hardware and software go way back. So, software used to re refer to like. Fabric items, cloth items, woolen items, wares hmm. that were soft. Yes. And hardware was nails and joints and construction materials, things that were hard. And ware means possessions, belongings, hmm. items. So hardwares and softwares, just the texture of these things. But where does this come from? And ware comes from the word war which is Proto-Indo-European in on origin. So it's one of the oldest words in English and in any language that comes from that root. Um, so any Western European language. Where originally, or where it meant to watch or to perceive or to, to see and to be aware of. And we have the remnants of this ancient word um, in a lot of words that we use now. Yes, so this word wara survived into Old English, and in Old English it became ward, or we got the word ward, which is watcher, someone who watches. Wara, ward, ward, somebody who watches. And then it goes into modern English, we have words like aware, beware, wary, all come from this root, wara. We have warden, watcher, and ward now is the person who is watched. But this old term also moved into French and uh, through Latin into French. 
and the sound of the W changed. And it tends to change when you get a W sound going into Latin, then it changes. That's why we have wine in English and vin or vine uh, in uh, French. So the W in this case became a G sound, a G. So we had guard, guardian, ah. ward, warden. Exactly the same, but it's the same word that's taken two different journeys. And now we've ended up, because of the French influence on English, we have both words, guard, guardian, ward, warden, in English. We also have guarantee and warranty. So when you buy your computer, you get a guarantee or a warranty. And they come from exactly the same root. So, wara meant to watch, but the things you watched were your possessions, your prized items, you guarded them. And these became wares, wara, the things that you had to watch. Um, you have from this a warehouse where you stored your wares or the things that you watched, the things that you guarded. And then you had hardware, software um, to describe the texture of these things. And that also gave you the idea of how they were used. Then this moves into technology, right? So hardware and software. Hardware are the physical items and software is the programming, the things that aren't physically hard. And then this idea of where becomes expanded into um, adware, spyware, malware, other kinds of where, all tracing back to this word meaning watch or see. That's so fantastic. I love how all of that connects together. And that's what I love about language. You start with this question, you know, mice, mouse, what is it? And then you think about all these technology words and things that we use all the time things that are really relevant in today's age, and they came from such an agricultural beginning. Yeah. And hardware, I read, also meant mechanical equipment necessary for conducting an activity, and that came from, like, the 16th century. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it just all connects together. It's really cool. People just uh, take the terms that exist and apply them to the current situation. Mm. So, yeah, with the latest farming implements, they needed a term to cover or to describe mm. those. They used hardware. And then yeah. with computer technology, the same. They needed a word, use a word that exists. And the same with mouse, use a word that exists. And that's why we don't need to use a different plural term mm. to the one that already exists. It's great. Mouse, mice. How about the word blog? Blog, coming from log like a log book right web log you are correct it's a log on the web that gives an account of a person's reflections and experiences but there are some homographs of blog but there's no connection to the internet blog for example in 1898 a volume of the english dialect dictionary used blog as a figurative use of block said to be used of anything resembling a block or log of wood, as you just said. Blog can also be found in Eric Partridge's A Dictionary of Slang in Unconventional English. I love Eric Partridge, by the way. Me too, he's a great singer. Partridge family, I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> Defined as a 19th century schoolboy slang for a servant boy. Basically, it's a perversion of bloke. Blog bloke? Yes. Oh. Yeah, a common boy of the town. And blog was also used as a 20th century slang 
as a cinnamon, uh, <laughs> cinnamon, a synonym of defeat. Oh, you, so you said the word uh, homograph before. Mm -hmm. So homograph means words that are spelled the same but have different meanings. That's right. And we talk about that in another episode in Contronyms, don't we? We certainly do, episode 15. Unfortunately, those uh, forms of blog kind of faded away, and by the end of the 20th century, a new homograph became prevalent, meaning web blog. Web blog. Mm -hmm. Right. But log, um, as in keeping a log or a record, a written record, goes back to the word log, as in a wooden log. That's right. Now, I have a word that is also connected to the writing substrate okay in the same kind of way so i've got the word code Ooh, computer code good. which comes from the latin codex yes and this meant like a book of laws but before that codex actually meant the the wooden tablet that these laws were written on and so not many things were written down but they tended to be official business so mm. laws were were written so that's why we have a code of conduct. You write down the rules of something, of behavior or laws, what you're expected to do. They would have been written down on this codex and then the code just became the thing that was written. So we have, yeah, military code and we have um, like the, any kind of code that you're expected to follow in any situation. And a computer code is the rules that a computer program is supposed to follow. How about a word that has been used all the way back since Shakespeare? Science? Te well, yes, but text. So back in Shakespeare's time, text referred to the writing in text hand, a style of handwriting marked by the use of large letters. And we also talk about that in a previous episode. Yes. Was it um, capitalizing I? Yes. Yes. And... In Much Ado About Nothing, you can read, yeah, and text underneath, here dwells Benedict the Married Man. And in Thomas Decker's The Whore of Babylon, written in 1607, vows I have writ so deep, so texted them in characters capital, I cannot race them. So text meant just write. That's right. And there was text hand or hand text? Mm-hmm. Text way? hand. Text hand. Mm -hmm. Right, and that would refer to writing out by hand, and yes. that was just shortened to text, which makes sense, and mm. that's sort of how we use it now, right? But also in the 16th century, a person could text somebody, and what they would do is cite a quote to someone that seems fitting for an occasion or situation. But it's funny because even though there's a lot of different uses of the verb text, texter didn't make an appearance in the language until the 19th century. So in 1884, in the Law Times, Someone was um, explaining something about a person that was skilled in text hand, and they wrote, um, this person is an excellent writer and texter. So, so then was... just the ER suffix was added right. to show it referred to a person who mm -hmm. did this. Ah, but you would have thought it would have come into use before that if people talked about text yes. as, a, as an action, as a yeah. verb. You would have thought they would use texter before that. That's yeah. interesting that it took so long to come into use. Mm. I have a, another word. Good. Uh, a word that we use a lot. We use it so much in talking about computers and use it how we use computers uh, at work and things that we perhaps don't even think about it. We just assume the meaning is fixed. File. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Now, <clears throat> file putting like filing a document, putting a document in your file. That's the alternative way I would think of that word as, you know, a filing cabinet and you're physically Mm. putting something, a file into the cabinet. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. Right. So file as a storage, storage Mm -hmm. unit. So to file is to store something. But where does that term come from? Please tell me. Well, this comes from French word fil and this means thread. Oh. And the ancient way of storing or filing documents was putting the papers onto a thread. Yes. To keep them all together. Mm-hmm. So or early binding, right? It's like early binding. Yes. yes. So all these parchments were kept together on a file, on a file, a thread, and that concept changed as people were able to store documents and bind them in different ways. But we kept the same word for filing or storing them. Now, how is that spelled in French? F-I-L. But French got it from Latin, which was uh, filum. So now now a file is any sort of collection of documents. And a file on a computer is where your documents are stored. We haven't talked about computer yet. We haven't? No. We haven't? No. Well, what, what does it mean? Computer comes from the Latin putare, which means both to think and prune. Prune, like pruning a bush? Yes. Computare, the com means together, and it also meant to calculate. So a computer used to be a person who did these calculations, these finances. But what was really interesting was the first group of computers were actually women. That was a woman's job to be a computer. When was this? I don't know for sure, but in 1731, there was an advertisement in Scotland in a journal advising young married women to know their husband's income and to be good computers. Between 1939 and 1942, there was a man that was proposing a machine, an electronic device that would compute things, and then John... Atanasoff used the word computer to refer to that. Interesting. The, the computers were originally women, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess it was seen as a sort of a, a menial task. The guys come up with the ideas, and then the women do the hard work That's of right. crunching the numbers mm-hmm. and probably get no credit for it. In French, the word for count also came from computare. So you see that kind of connection. And essentially, compteur has the same ancestry and meaning as computer in French. Right, but then in French there's a different word for computer, which is ordinateur, Yes, that's right. In French, the modern word for the computer that we know of, that's a modern word, but the original word for computer, yeah, came from the Latin. So these days, when we store our data, like we used to store our data on a disk, hard disk, or a floppy disk, but now we might store our data on the cloud. Yes. And a cloud, of course, means... Wait, do you say on the cloud or in the cloud? In the cloud. Is it in the cloud? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, in the cloud, yes. So the cloud, of course, refers to the whatever's around you in the air, Mm -hmm. a cloud of gas, 
cloud of uh, water vapor a cloud. But it didn't used to mean that. So in Old English, the word clud was related to the word clod, and, or clot, or a lump of earth. And so people who used to see formations in the sky, cloud formations in the sky, thought they were lumps of earth, rock in the sky. And so they called it clud, which meant earth. It kind of sounds exactly, though. When I think of something like clud, I do think of like clumps of clay or dirt or something. Clud. Yeah, because yeah. of clod, and mm. it's got a very heavy feel to it, right? Yeah. So we still talk about clods of, of dirt. Yeah, so this was the original meaning of cloud, as if it was a heavy item made mm-hmm. of earth, but also in the sky. Um, but then it came to mean just the whatever was in the air, dark clouds, mm-hmm. rain clouds, and then whatever's around us, like the cloud of information that we're yes. surrounded by, or that we feel like we're surrounded by, I yeah. suppose. So the word clud, cloud, didn't originally refer to masses or vapour in the sky, but it just referred to hills or masses of earth or clay or clods, which we now use. And so clod and cloud have the same root, the same origin. A computer browser helps us to search for information on a network. In the pre-internet days, we were the browsers. We had to actually do work. We had to do the research. We didn't have the luxury of looking up something online that would do the work for us. Right? The browser, that is the researcher. They Ah, so a browser would be a person who goes to a library yeah. and browses in the library. That's for right. Or a bookstore. A bookstore, okay. Yeah, yes. a researcher, right? Yes. But centuries ago, the activity of browsing was done in fields and forests, like foraging. Oh, so browsing not for information, but browsing for food or for yeah. plants that you can eat. For berries, yes. But the name browser, related to the verb browse, came from Anglo-French, bru, meaning sprouts. Now, it's interesting because when I think of bru, the spelling of it, B-R-O-U-T-S, I think kind of like Brussels sprouts, and bru means sprouts. But the word was used for a forager up until the 19th century. And then the verb, browse, began to be applied to other types of wandering, searching, generally things that were done in a library or a bookstore. So it starts as the plant, Mm -hmm. and then the person who looks for the plant, and then the person who looks for anything they might need. But there's more to that. Yeah. Because the concept of browsing, whether it's in a store or in the woods or online, you're searching for something that you don't know what you want, right? When you go grocery grocery shopping, you're browsing the aisles. When you go in a bookstore, you're browsing through the books. When you're browsing online, you might be just kind of, you know, using the browser to find out some information. So basically this early idea of browsing was thought to be that you're looking for something and you're not really sure what you're in the mood for. So you're going to kind of browse around and see what will attract you. Oh, that's really interesting. So originally browsing was looking for anything you might want to eat. And now it's looking for anything that might be interesting right. to you. Browsing on uh, on the internet, browsing on YouTube, mm-hmm. just browsing to see what you find, following those threads, yeah. see what there is to yeah to take your fancy. Yeah. And the computer idea of browsing came about in around the 1960s. 
and it named the invention that enabled the activity browser. And the interesting thing is, even though we talk about browsing, I'm browsing, I'm not a browser if yeah. I'm using the internet. <laughs> even right. if I'm browsing the internet, yep. the browser, which is one of those words, the more you say it, the weirder it yeah. sounds, but the browser is whichever browser, Google, uh, whatever browser you use, mm -hmm. Lycos. Opera, Firefox. Yahoo, Bing. I can go, I can go more if you want, okay. DuckDuckGo. Okay. Uh, but they're the browsers, even if you're browsing, you're yes. not the browser. That's very weird. Or you're, browse, you're the browser using a browser. So you're going to browse browse. the browser, but you're not the browser. The browser is actually the browser. All right. My head is spinning. Uh, all right. Now, there are a lot of other words I think we could dig into here, but let's save them for another episode. Um, Sounds good. Thanks very much for listening to us today. Uh, I found some really great information on a podcast called The History of English Podcast. And the presenter goes a lot deeper into history and tells stories from history in his podcasts. Uh, and all these connect to language. So if you're interested in that and the deep dive into these concepts, that might be worth looking at. I also want to give a big thank you to Trash for her promotional efforts. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks to Justing for the music, New Media for the artwork, and a big high five to Jeff at Central Sound and Picture. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at The Owlish Folk. Send us questions or comments to theowlishfolk at gmail.com. <laughs>